0: You guys, I am so excited for my guest today. Uh, This is almost like a a surreal moment for me. So this is very, very cool. My guest is a 2014 Olympic bronze medalist, a 2018 Olympic silver medalist in freestyle skiing, three-time gold medalist, and two-time silver medalist at the X Games. You know, no big deal. Been featured on a box of Kellogg's freaking cornflakes. You've thrown out the pitch at a Reds game. Uh, welcome. Very, very, very excited to have you here. Thank you for joining Nick Gepper. All right. Before we get started, um, one of the things that I usually ask at the top is just, um, obviously, we've known each other for about 45 seconds. So what are three things that you think we may have in common right off the bat? Great question. Let's see. I think we both enjoy podcasts. I think
1: that's number one. I think number two, we both like chili on top of spaghetti. That's classic to the Cincinnati area. And also number three, um, I think we're both
0: a fan of sports. Awesome. We'll we'll see we'll see how this stack up through as we go through the podcast today. a former pro-wrestling creative, a mediocre stand-up comedian, and a ranch-dressing aficionado who lives beyond my means. This is my weekly podcast where I set out to make friends with each and every one of my guests faster than WrestleMania tickets sell out. Sometimes it works. Other times, not so much. Well, I'm going to start um, and just kind of talk through, you know, exactly what I said before. You um, are Indiana through and through, I think. If i remember remembering correctly, you were born in Fort Wayne, but moved to Lawrenceburg at a very young age. Is that like, how old were you when you came to Lawrenceburg? I was very
1: young. So I, I was born in Fort Wayne and then started in Lawrenceburg when I was about one or one and a half or something. And you're the oldest kid, right? Yeah, I'm the oldest. I've got three younger siblings, two younger sisters, one younger brother.
0: So Lawrenceburg, uh, obviously that's sort of a common ground for us. Um, I was born in Dearborn County Hospital. Um, and grew up about 20 minutes away from Lawrenceburg my most of my entire life uh, until I was about 20, well, I, you know, college, and then about 27 moved to Chicago. So I've been here since then. If you had to describe Lawrenceburg to people who aren't familiar with it, like how, what, how would you describe it?
1: I would describe Lawrence – you know what? Lawrenceburg is a little gem because you can go to the races. You can watch race cars. You can go skiing. You can go gambling. You can go watch – football you can go party on the river i mean there are so many things you can do in lawrenceburg that people don't really i think people take it for granted but I, w- I was so glad that i grew up there i think it afforded me a lot of opportunities i mean the city is uh there are a lot a lot of really nice aspects of the city i think thanks to partly the the casino there but also just kind of good planning and i spent a lot of time with the skate park i mean It's kind of a, you can do it all.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that way about Cincinnati, but I think the secret's out on Cincinnati now. I see it like picked up in mainstream media, but like a great area, right? Like I would not have wanted to really grow up anywhere else. Um, I don't, I'm not saying I agree with every single thing that everybody there agrees with. Um, But it's like, I think one of the things for me that, that people should know is like how hardworking everyone there is. Like these people are like your everyday Americans, like keeping everything running behind the scenes, hard ass workers that becomes ingrained as part of your fabric as somebody that grew up there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Kind of the uh, the Midwest values, work hard, stay humble. I'm really real glad my parents – Kind of instilled that in me.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you have no choice there. So, with your parents uh, growing up, were they did they have like blue collar jobs? Um, like, obviously, probably hardworking. Exactly, all the things we just said. Yeah my
1: uh, my dad was has been in sales forever. He sold sprinklers. He sold boxes. He sold electrical equipment for Honeywell. He's been kind of all over the show. My mom. Was a was a professional mom for like fifteen years or so, and then she went back to work. She owns a couple of Liberty Tax franchises. Yeah, she's been kind of keeping that afloat for the last I don't know ten years or so.
0: Okay, so you never had to dress up in the Statue of Liberty costume and do a sign flip. You were t- you had outgrown that by then. I did do that. <laughs> you did. That's amazing. It would be really fun to do that with you now, and like to have you unmask almost like the you know like and people not know how did you discover so you mentioned it earlier skiing obviously down at Perfects as as the locals call it like what was your first time skiing like you were really young but do you remember it my mom grew up skiing in Michigan she skied on trash dumps
1: up there repurposed landfills and then i started in sports when i was like 5 or 6 and and in the winter time she had me start skiing at at Perfects Perfect North mm-hmm. and My first time, my mom tells me I didn't I didn't like it very much. It was kinda new. It was uncomfortable and I was cold and whiny and blah blah blah. But I think after I picked up the sensation of like speed and jumping and sort of the personal accomplishment of getting on the chairlift by myself for the first time, you know, sort of those little building blocks. It really motivated me to, and, and also I just really loved it.
0: So I've, I've been to Perfect's multiple times in my life, but the first time that I went, I actually wiped out on the bunny, the bunny slope. It was like a student council trip in middle school. And I spent the rest of the trip trying to get back up on my skis and then I just like swore it off. So now I go tubing there, but, uh, that's one difference that we have is I have zero athletic ability despite trying. Perfect. So I read, um, online, obviously your stories about like, you know, obviously you loved it. The things that you had to do as a kid to like get your mem- it was like annual pass or something like that. Is that, mm, yeah. Talk us through that. Like I, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand always the struggle and, and the work that goes into right. Just like setting yourself up to be successful. So talk us through that a little bit and what that experience was like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say I was definitely very you know, i fortunate to grow up in a privileged household. I mean, my parents, you know, we do one vacation a year and then all my siblings were involved in sports all year long. We weren't rich, but we were, I'd say, comfortably middle class. But my dad, mom and dad, uh, mainly my dad, really instilled in me this kind of work ethic of... And he, he was very dry about it, too. For instance, yeah, I'd be like, Dad, I, I, I my, it's snowing outside. Like, I'm really scared to go up and you know ask the neighbor to shovel his driveway i don't know what he's going to say like i'm 10 years old i don't know how to talk to people and he'd just be like just go just do it just what's the worst i could you know he was always really dry and, and pragmatic about things and and i think that really rubbed off on me and growing up trying to make a little extra money to get some an extra pair of skis an extra uh you know plane ticket somewhere i did a lot of things in the neighborhood i uh I do like lemonade stands or like little yard sales, um, shovel driveways, go door to door and do like odd jobs for people, pull weeds, mow lawns, babysit and all that stuff. And, um, you know, I, I'd i say uh, it definitely taught me the the value of, you know, hard work and the value of a dollar and, you know, cliche, cliche. But.
0: I mean, it's it's important. So how do you go from you know, like you're, you're obviously going and you're skiing and you're loving it. And how do you go from that to discovering like, Oh, like I can actually do this and incorporate jumps or I can incorporate flips. Like how, how do you make that leap from like, you feel comfortable enough in, you know, on your feet to like, I'm going to, I'm going to hit the air. When I started doing sports, I did traditional
1: sports. I played soccer. I was on the swim team. I played a bit of football, so on and so forth, but I was um, my neighbor really inspired me. This neighbor kid that grew up next to me, he was uh, he did some rollerblading and some skateboarding and some bike riding and really inspired me to take an interest in action sports. Um, mm-hmm. So like rollerblading, skateboarding, BMX, uh, skiing, snowboarding, etc. And I. Just love doing like acrobatic things ever since I was younger. So I was jumping off the couch in my living room and doing flips. I was spending, you know, every single day of the summer jumping off the diving boards at the pool. You know, I spent a lot of time on my skateboard and, and on my rollerblades. What I loved about those sports were was that it, it kind of allowed me to be different and creative like not a lot of my friends did them and so I could kind of go and like I don't know I kind of just liked having my own thing and only having like a few people to do it with instead of like everyone under the sun you know doing it and um those sort of acrobatic and like kind of action sports helped transition over to skiing and when I realized that you could do flips and you could grind rails and you could you know kind of get extreme on your skis as well you know that's it was even kind of more niche and that's why I loved it. And that's why I spent so much time doing it.
0: Talk to me about like, um, f- like failing those, right? Like I, I look at things like, I'm, and I'm trying to think of like the dumbest example. If I like fail something once I'm done, like I'm, especially if I'm, if I get hurt. Right. So, I'm you know, you think of like flips and things like that. Um, like what, what makes you get back up and be like, you know, is it as simple as like something as small as when I was young, it would be like, If you wreck your bike, you just get up and keep trying, right? Like, was it the same thing? Yeah, so I'll take it back to my dad. My dad was very
1: dry when it came to stuff like that. Like, if I fell off my bike and skinned my knee, he would not make a big deal about it. You know, a lot of times I feel like these days you see parents like freaking out and, 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 and putting like 15 band-aids on it and, and like instagramming it and calling their friends and like you know like you are the center of attention it's a massive deal for the kid but i literally felt like like the least important person ever if i fell off my bike and skinned my knee which was kind of horrible and heartbreaking but at the same time you know i, I was like man does my dad even care about me but he would just be like just walk it off, you know, put a band aid on it. Like you're not, you're, you're medically, you're fine. So just go again, you know, and, (laughs) and I love that. And it was harsh at first, but once I kind of, once I started to figure it out and and figure out sort of the message, um, it really helped with trying any kind of new things from that point forward.
0: Yeah. So you just get up and try again. Uh, and, and, Luckily obviously uh no no major injuries from that right from from things like that I mean you've had injuries throughout I've never had anything that's kept me off the kept me off my feet for more than
1: really like 6 weeks knock on wood <laughs> I've got great genetics I'll be honest my parents are are both uh you know athletically built and and that definitely helps me and I also I don't drink or I I stay pretty clean with my diet and stuff so
0: Yeah nice Okay. So fast forward a little bit, you obviously spent, you know, young, young years down in Lawrenceburg and then moved across the country to attend school and start training, you know, more dedicated over, I think it was in Oregon. Um, how did, how did that come to be? So
1: when I was 15, you know, thanks in part to like ski movies and also the internet, I started to, you know, I, I was loving what I was doing and I was doing these, I was skiing, I was competing locally and sort of, you know, I was winning a lot of local contests. And then I was kind of measuring my skills compared to these people on the internet that I was seeing on these skiing websites and also like ski movies. And I started to think that I was, you know, on track and I could maybe, you know, make a career. I could try and go professional and I could do this. And, you know, there came a point when I was, I was convicted and my parents knew that. So I told my parents, Hey, listen, I don't want to spend another year in Indiana, like skiing at perfect North. I love perfect North, but it's Indiana is not a place where you're going to have a blossoming skiing career. So I was like, I got to go East. I got to go West. I got to, I got to do something. And my parents were like, we can't afford to, we can't afford to make this happen financially. Like this is impossible. So we're gonna have to figure out some other way to do it. And, Mm -hmm. and so almost miraculously through like a network of you know, hard work and kind of reaching out and making connections and just talking to tons of people in the industry and people that we knew. Um, we came across some uh, very influential people who um, took a liking to me and sort of my attitude and my ambition, and they were able to, um, you know, help me get scholarship completely to this school, this ski school, ski academy in Oregon that I uh, spent the next few years at.
0: That uh, that's awesome. Did you have to, I know like with other careers, a lot of times that are, um, like professional actors or like singers or whatever, you have to like, almost like emancipate from your parents. You didn't have to do that since it was like school, right? Like, so you mean like, like break up with my parents essentially, I mean, essentially cause you were 15, right? So it's like at that point you didn't have to do that.
1: You raise a really good point because a lot of times what happens in, in any sort of like entertainers or, 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 athletes, so on and so forth, their parents become their agents very early on and help them with their business dealings and sponsorships and so on and so forth. And there comes a point when the the athlete or entertainer gets mature enough that they don't want their parents in their business anymore. So there's kind of this like horrible like kind of breakup. Um, that never happened with my mom and dad. And the reason was I had – this this influential person I'm telling you about um, this this guy that we met sort of stepped into my life. His name was Carrie, and became like my pseudo parent slash um, like agent mentor kind of person. And you know, th- four years later, that did happen. What you're talking yeah. about is like this person who I didn't have a like 100% professional relationship with. He was essentially like my uncle. Um, but we had a falling out kind of like what you're talking about.
0: You hate to hear that, right? Cause it's obvious, like you said, it's, uh, they play a large part. Um, and just becomes, I think, the town's not big enough for the two of us <laughs> with, without going into dirty laundry. So, okay. So you move out at 15, you do school there. You're obviously training. Uh, I mean, clearly that, that paid off. Um, over the next four years, you just started, like started winning and placing at things like world cups. And then with qualifying for the Olympics, the first time you skied with a broken hand and with no poles, is that accurate? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, how does that even happen?
1: It's kind of a funny story. Actually, the, the summer before the Olympics, I was skiing in New Zealand and I did a trick. I landed, I punched the snow and I broke my hand. And so, (laughs) Um, the, the doctors in New Zealand threw a cast on it for two weeks and I got back to America had it re-x-rayed and they're like well looks like they screwed up in New Zealand and didn't get the didn't get it right so we're gonna have to go in and do surgery on this and take the cast off and I'm like oh great so what, a six week recovery turned into an eight week recovery which wasn't really a big deal but for the next um, few months when the when the season approached and I started skiing I had to ski with no poles because I couldn't hold a pole with my hand I had a cast on it and I was skiing really well And the first Olympic qualifier that season. I won without <laughs> poles and what was also going on in the background was I was getting a lot of, a lot of hate and a lot of discouragement from the community and sort of from the industry for skiing without poles because it's kind of seen as like non-traditional or like just kind of like whack or like nerdy or I don't know, I don't really know how to describe it. Um, I guess it I don't know it be like playing like basketball with pants or something you know it's like no one does that um but I was getting kind of all this grief and and actually there came a point about halfway through the process where I was cleared to take my cast off and and start to use my hand again but I had been successful up to that point I was like well if it ain't broke don't fix it I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing because it's working for me and so then the next like few events the x games which i won and then i went to the olympics and got a bronze medal without poles So kind of funny chapter in my career.
0: Yeah. That's nuts. When I read that, I was like, I don't even, again, like I toppled over on the bunny slope. So, you know, but, but it's hard for me to imagine, like, how are you doing all of this? Right. With, without, Can you it seems like the Olympic privilege. like, I feel like there are all the, to somebody from the outside rumors and like weird stuff. Um, right. That people hear, like, what's it, what's it like firsthand? Cause at this point you're what, like 19. Is that right? Yeah, I was 19.
1: The Olympic village was was really cool. I mean it's it's um Mm -hmm. I mean it it kind of was like an IKEA village, if you can if you can imagine Mm -hmm. that. Like I mean you could have like pushed on the apartments and they would have just fallen over. (laughs) I mean they were all sort of they were built very temporarily and, and not really um they they weren't meant to be like sustainable for a long time, but they worked for us. You hear all these stories about, you know, crazy parties and like just like a big Orgy in the Olympic Village. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I guess it's like, it's like, it's kind of like college, you know, like, oh, college is crazy. Like, how's college? Well, like, I, I would describe myself as the student at college who was just kind of in his bedroom doing his homework and not really partaking in all that craziness. That was my experience at the Olympics. Both of them actually, there may have been that kind of stuff going on, but I did, I, I just kind of like kept to myself and kind of focused and, and, um, and didn't really like get crazy and party in the village. At least the other thing I want to mention yeah. is that you kind of like don't want to be there to be able to party because ideally you go, you do your event, you win a medal, and then the next day you get up, get on a plane, and go do a media tour. It's kind of a good and bad. You know, it's a good thing if you're not there to hang out because that means that you did well, and and um, you know you people want want your time, and you have to go and. And, you know, be, be, be that guy.
0: So, and you, and you talk about doing well, let's, um, so you guys, like you, Gus, just like swept the bronze, silver, and gold in that 2014, uh, Olympics. Obviously that's a feeling that most people in the world will never, ever experience. Like what, what is it like to be standing there next to, you know, two of your teammates and like you have the star spangled banner playing, like I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it, man. And I, it wasn't even me. Yeah. You know, being 19 and
1: the world being a whirlwind, uh, I, I don't think I really knew what was going on at that time. And I will say that there were several competitions previous to the Olympics, like the, the, the couple years before where, like, we had all shared the podium be, again or, like, as well. and And so, and the other thing, too, about the Olympics is that, like, our sport was included in the olympics like kind of late in the game or or like you know when it was sort of almost established and the the olympics is all about nash nationalization like everybody's part of a country you representing your flag stars and stripes and national anthems and everything and that was very new to all of us so we didn't really understand the significance of the of the of the page patri- patri- patriotic aspect of the games. And so we were standing up there and we're kind of like, Hey, like it's yeah. Like three professional skiers on the podium, you know, we just happened to do it at this crazy, you know, contest. But I guess this is a big deal because it's like the second time it's ever happened.
0: <laughs> right. Well, and I think, I've read like I've read interviews where you've talked about that. I think like some of the pushback from people like with with it becoming a pro sport and like people thinking that it's like you're selling out by going and doing these things. Is that at this point like has that died down this many years later or is or do you still deal with some of that blowback? Um,
1: I mean, you kind of do, I guess I just I'm like. Maybe just it's it's because I'm a veteran now, but I just don't really care to I don't even like read those posts or <laughs> care about them anymore, so I love doing this, and the people that I do do it with you know love it for the same reasons, and
0: yeah, it can't be bothered to deal with like all the negativity.
1: I just bought like my dream house in Salt Lake City, and I'm just getting all moved in and That's so I don't, you know if Congrats. you're selling out, that means people want to buy in
0: absolutely there's nothing wrong with selling out <laughs> selling out air quotes. So like you said you you start doing the media tour suddenly you're like a household name right like everyone in Dearborn County of course always was was excited for months leading up but you're like now at this point you're a household name we've seen you in like the P&G thank you mom commercials like I said on the cornflakes box um you had this Twitter dream date contest like at 19 and then like like cuz it extended a little bit into like 20 like how do you even process all that like it seems It seems like very overwhelming to happen kind of overnight.
1: Yeah, totally. It's,
0: it's, uh, it's kind of like
1: a, it's kind of like, you know, in Christmas you go home and like, you have no worries and it's all, it's all like everything is just, at least for me, like Christmas is like, you're just there. It's, it's ultimate like pleasure and hanging out with your family and like you're getting presents and kind of like this high and you're not really thinking about anything else. Well, that's kind of what it was like, just for a prolonged period of time. But I didn't really know like how it was gonna end, when it was gonna end, kind of what the next steps were, and it was very uh, fleeting.
0: and I feel like in a, especially in America, like we have kind of ADD, so it's you know I feel like all of those things that I remember as a kid, like without social media and all of that, it seemed like things maybe. Um, held a little longer, but like, I, yeah, it seems like fleeting is probably the best, the best word. I I know that you've talked about this publicly, um, right. Like struggling with some depression afterwards, which first of all, um, I want to say that it's awesome that you were (laughs) acknowledged it and, um, and also talk about it because I feel like there's this weird stigma a lot of times and I don't get, get that at all. Um, but with, with that, like, um, I think people have a hard time understanding, or, or like fathoming that you can be incredibly successful in what you do, but like you never get to a level where you're like immune to mental health or like depression issues. Like, do you, do you want to talk about that any at all? Or, yeah. Cause I think, I think especially too, like when you going back to the hard work and, uh, and all of that, I feel like in the Midwest, especially there's this, like, it's almost like this, it's like a too tough or like suck it up, treatment where it's like, because you can't see the injury, right? Like I can't see that you have some like a broken arm. Right. So I think that it's almost like a, I mean, my mom used to literally tell me all the time, like, just like, get over it. You know, like you got to suck it up and be tough. And I'm like, cool. But like, I literally don't want to get out of bed today. How do you balance that? Like with when you're up here and like you're inti- internally feeling down here?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I would say that in my experience, it's, it's, that sort of treatment that you're talking about, like just suck it up and deal with it, can be can be um, hurtful. It it can be helpful at times, but it can be hurtful. At least when I'm when I'm sort of diagnosed or, or treating my own mental health, like when I I've kind of learned over the last, you know, five five to seven years, there I sort of have a threshold. Like I have a threshold of where I get to when I'm like, all right, just suck it up, Nick. Like let's let's like let's fucking go. Like this is not a big deal. And then – but once I sort of get below a certain threshold, then it's like, okay, make sure that you're talking to people. Like, let's schedule some time with your therapist. You know, like maybe it's time to get back on some medication. You know, there's sort of that um, that line that can fluctuate. And I've had my own – you know, obviously I've had my own struggles and I don't have an issue talking about it. And And one thing I really – um struggle with a lot was like i never felt like i was my situation was bad enough to to merit or to warrant merit what's the word to deserve like like credible treatment or 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 even like sympathy for instance um for instance i I was like i met a guy who who was drunk driving and drove off the road and killed like a, a family like like a mother and, and like two kids, or something like in the, in the oncoming traffic. And he went to jail for a long time, but now he's out of jail and now he's like totally just a free citizen in the world. And he's living with that. And then I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow, <laughs> I like went to the biggest stage in the whole world, won a medal, and all these amazing things happened to me. And i'm feeling depressed and i'm in this i'm in the same facility as you and like what what the hell do i like what what do i have to complain about you know what i mean um but but i think it doesn't really matter like it it in a way it doesn't matter what what the fault is it's kind of more like how you feel as an individual and how you are recovering and and how you recover and how fast and efficiently you can recover, um, you know, is kind of up to you and, and that will, that will dictate your future. But yeah, man, it's all about how, how you feel and like how your like emotional emotion meter is, um, And, you know, I got really distracted by, like, other people and measuring myself towards other people, which I did when I was coming up skiing, which, Mm -hmm. like I said, can hurt you and it can help you. You know, it can help me because I'm like, hey, listen, like, this guy's doing this trick. I need to do that trick in order to beat him at the next contest. But I could also look at that and be like, oh, my God, there's like 100 guys that have this trick and I don't have that trick yet. And, like, I might as well just quit because I'm never going to get there (sighs) because... you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a cycle.
0: Yeah. I think you bring up a good point. I think it's, uh, it's all relative and you can't like compare your struggles to someone else's because everyone's life is individually different. Right. So, um, but I do, I think it's great that you talk about it, um, and bring like, you know, some visibility to it. Um, cause I think it, it only helps the more people talk about like their own struggles. Cause again, you, it's, you look at somebody and you're like, how in the world, right? Like, do they have this, but then they're also feeling like this. Um, and it's, It doesn't matter, right? Like at the end of the day, it it doesn't change the way that you feel internally. So I'm passionate about this topic. I've had a lot of time to think about it. (laughs) 90 (laughs) 90
1: days in in rehab will do that to you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, you, you, I mean, you could have a guy, you could have like a, like a guy that's in the military that witnesses something atrocious and then, you know, is able to sort of recover and get back on his game in like a matter of weeks. And then you could have somebody who fails a math test and is in the in a depressive cycle for six months. Um, You know, it's kind of like the military guy. It's like good for him. Like that guy is really resilient and he can figure it out. And the guy who failed the math test, it's like it doesn't really like who. It doesn't matter if they're not on the same level. They just they just take they just have their own path and their own. You know, they just might you know, had to sacrifice more time and might, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's all relative is what I'm saying. Cause everybody mm-hmm.
0: thinks in like linear terms and it's all, it's all relative mm-hmm. with the treatment that you, that you went through. Cause that was before the second games, correct? Mm-hmm. So like, how were things different? Obviously you medaled. just for people that may not know you, you meddled silver in the 2018 Olympics. Um, how, like how did that prepare you to handle post post that a little better?
1: Well, I kind of didn't cause I went, I did another rehab after the second Olympics. So in 2014, I went to the games, 2015, I went to treatment for a little bit. And then in 2016 or no, 2018, I also went back to treatment. Okay. So I went to treatment in 2015 after the Olympics because after the Olympics, I was feeling like I didn't have a whole lot of structure in my life at that time. Like I didn't, I didn't have anywhere permanent to live. Like my friends were sort of, you know, starting to exit the sport and go to college and like not, or just kind of leave. And then, um, I don't know. There's just like a lot of uncertainty, you know, because everything builds up to this one a cumulative point, And then after that, it's, you know, it's kind of like, well, what's going on? And so that's part of what led to that sort of downward spiral. And then I had this amazing opportunity to go and work on myself in 2015. But I think I started to have those same sort of struggles in 2018 after the Olympics. And I want, I think that I almost viewed like the treatment the first time as like like an option or like oh this 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 is this is there like it's like if it's gonna get really bad you're just gonna go back or something like that so maybe maybe that's kind of why it was easier to like fall back into that comfort zone it's a battle right for life that's the other thing like for sure I, th- I think that um I, th- I think that just with with time and with
0: maturity and with life experience I've learned I've learned a lot about
1: myself and I I think the professional like help has played a, a, a role in that but there's been a lot more at play when it comes to people in my life and decisions that i make i mean just making better decisions i mean that Mm -hmm. life decisions that that helps a lot you know not choosing to i don't know like spend all your money or go on a go on like a seven-week vacation and not take care of things at home (laughs) or i don't know just stuff like that is uh
0: it all it all helps it's like the the if you think of it like baby steps it's like the small decisions ultimately lead to better big decisions i feel like exactly and i'm so add
1: just like you said like about the society i'm i'm like so a product of that i'm just like let's go 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 this that this that let's go 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 and and now i mean even lately even just with buying my new house like as an adult i'm sure you know pe- things take time like it takes weeks like i was out in my yard, and I, I there was like a broken sprinkler on my lawn, and like I see this broken sprinkler, and I want it fixed now, yep. in like fifteen <laughs> minutes. I want it fixed, mm-hmm. and so I get on the phone, and I realize that I can't even get an irrigation company to answer the phone for like fifteen minutes. And then when I do finally get a hold of somebody, he's telling me he doesn't have time in his schedule until next week, and I'm like. I want it fixed now. <laughs> Just having the patience and like learning patience has been big for me.
0: All right, so looking ahead, so we have um the in 2022 obviously the next set of Olympics. So like what's next for for you, Nick? Like or, or is that is that on your vision board? We love vision boards as as millennials. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. That's that's it. That's uh I've got a silver and a bronze and I want a gold. So I'm yeah. really looking forward to this summer. And just really getting stuck into a, a good routine and, and just prepping for, for February of next year. Um, that's a huge goal. I, I would, love to, would love to do that.
0: That's awesome. Well, we'll be cheering you on, obviously, here, um, as well, I'm sure, everyone back home. Sorry, that, that got like kind of heavy for a while, but uh, <laughs> I typically try to end it a little lighter. There are a couple of uh, games that I wanted to play with you if, that, if you would, would do that. Yeah, totally. Awesome. So the first is a, you may, I don't, I don't know, actually, I don't know how much this transcends different generations, but this, uh, f- paper fortune teller game, did you ever play this in school? Yep. Okay. So, um, I'm a big fan of boy bands, which <laughs> is weird, but, uh, but <laughs> it is who I am. Um, and that's why just to, to bring it back to the top, uh, Nick Lachey is probably my number one Nick, uh, from Cincinnati, because I am a huge 98 Degrees fan. So I apologize that you're in second place to Nick Lachey, but... You're going to have
1: to explain to me who Nick Lachey is. I've heard of that name. He's from Cincinnati? Yeah, are you being serious? I'm being serious.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Are you like harassing me? No, I'm not. I've heard the (laughs) name, but give me a brief history. Okay, so Nick Lachey is the lead singer of a boy band called 98 Degrees. He's uh, him and his brother, and then two of their friends, They were really big in like the late 90s, early 2000s. He married Jessica Simpson, famously. They had a reality show on MTV called Newlyweds. And then they ultimately ended up getting divorced. He's now remarried to Vanessa Lachey, who was an MTV VJ. He is rumored to be in the finals of The Masked Singer as Piglet this season. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of 98 Degrees. So I'll send you some links. to. I'll share with you a Spotify playlist. That's cool. He's How's from that? Cincinnati. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's from Cincinnati. So they used to have a bar in Over the Rhine. Uh, they don't have that anymore. But he is he is definitely from Cincinnati. So he's probably our, well, maybe Jerry Springer might be a little more like famous but he's pretty he's pretty high up there in Cincinnati like he's a coveted guest of this podcast he'll probably never come on quite honestly I always say that I would take a bullet for Nick Lachey okay well we might have to change up the first selection because they're actually all four boy bands but so it's One Direction 98 Degrees Backstreet Boys or Sync. which of those four would you pick
1: I think Backstreet Boys
0: yeah good pick okay uh A B C or D Okay, I'm going to go C. So for here, we're going to go with the yellow cards, and I'm going to pull these questions at random from this game called Ask Me Anything. So I have the yellow deck here. I will literally pull them at random, and we'll go through a few of them. Okay. So the category is the yellow card, which stands for yay or nay. It's from a game called Ask Me Anything, and at random, I'm just going to pull some of these questions, and we'll blow through them. All right. Do you think humans will ever be able to live together in harmony? Yes. I'm very hopeful. If your food is bad at a restaurant, do you complain? Yes.
1: Yeah. Depends on the restaurant, the quality of the restaurant.
0: You probably do it like in a Midwest, like nice way, though, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> you would hope. Jesus Christ. Have you ever shit yourself as an adult? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Skiing.
1: Oh, like during a run? Yeah. Like sometimes, like when you land, like when you're coming up high in the air and you land, there's a lot of force. And sometimes that force
0: equals. Expulsion? <laughs> Explosion? <Yeah. laughs> wow. Does the word moist bother you? No. Same. All right, we'll do two more. Have you ever been transported in the back of a cop car? Uh, yes. Can I elaborate on that? Yeah, you can do whatever you want to say. Not for a,
1: a criminal activity, but I was, dry, I was riding my bike around um, my grandma's neighborhood in Detroit when I was like... 12 or something it's one of those neighborhoods from like the 40s where every single house looks the same for like miles and miles and i totally got lost and so then i went and knocked on a random person's door like in tears like i can't find my grandma's house (laughs) and so they called the 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 cop and the cop came and took
0: me home (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i've actually ever been in a cop car i have to put that on my bucket list uh, last one. Do you think that you would have survived the Titanic sinking?
1: That's a great question. Well, I'd like to say that I would have been super rich. So yes, I would have gotten yeah. one on one of those boats with all the rich people, but I don't know. Or maybe ruthless.
0: <laughs> I feel like you would have come through. I I don't
1: know. Man. I'd like to say that my morals would take the, the best of me and I'd give like grandma, you know, a
0: seat instead of myself. I'm not sure though. Yeah. I don't. Mm. I don't know. I think you would have come through. I don't want to judge you for, sure. uh, and say that you wouldn't have morals, but I think I think you'd come through. Um, okay, one more game, and then uh, this. So this is sort of like when you play Fuck Mary Kill, except for I'm gonna name th- uh, three different things and ask you to assign them gold, silver, or bronze. Cool. I love these games, by the way. Thanks. They're fun. They're fun. It's <laughs> so like I said, we went deep. Now we gotta like bring it back. Uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie from Ducktales. Okay, I think Dewey is number
1: one. So he's gold. Louie is yeah, silver, and Huey is bronze. I don't know what that show is, but just based off of the judgment of those names, um, yeah. that's how I would put them in order.
0: That's fine. I mean, it's, this is these are your answers. Dewey's a way cooler name than Huey. Huey. <laughs> Huey Lewis would not agree, and you probably don't know who that is. Um, <laughs> Kevin, Joe, and Nick Jonas. I th- I would say Nick at the top. Yeah, gold medal for sure.
1: He he does some movies now, right? Like he did. He,
0: yeah. Midway wasn't he in that? I'm not sure. He does. I know he does like sh- uh, TV and stuff too. Like he's been on a couple of different like. And then Nick would go in second place as a silver, and
1: then whoever that other guy was would be bronze. Kevin would be bronze. Yeah, I anyone mean, named Kevin you- deserves third place. <laughs> did you know there's a fourth Jonas brother? I didn't. Okay, Courtney, Kim, and Khloe Kardashian. I'm familiar with those people. I think I put Kim at the top. Kim would be first. Courtney would be second. Kim, Khloe, Courtney. Yeah.
0: Uh, Snap, crackle, and pop—the Rice Krispies characters.
1: <sighs> Pop number one. Crackle would be silver, and Snap would be bronze. Snap sounds like a bad connotation, like a bone breaking or something. So,
0: it's also a really weird name. Uh, and then the last is chili, spaghetti, and cheese. I'm going to put spaghetti in the gold position because I eat a
1: ton of food and I just eat tons of carbs. Um, chili is delicious. Put that in the silver. And then cheese is good, but not. I don't need it. And that's in the bronze.
0: Wow. Interesting. Interesting take.
1: I'm a, I'm a quantity over quality guy when it comes to food. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Good to know. Um, sweet. So this is the point in the episode where we come to the friend request. So Nick Gepper, Logan Cummins has sent you a friend request. Do you confirm or delete it?
1: Bro, I'd definitely accept it. And I'd make sure that you were had a little green dot next to your name and you'd be at the top of the chat bar every time I
0: log <laughs> in. <laughs> That's amazing! Uh, <laughs> thank you. I, I definitely am am very excited. Tell our listeners how we can keep track of your pursuit to, of the Beijing Olympics. Like, how can they find you and follow you and support you?
1: Absolutely. So I have not been posting a lot lately, but I'm on Instagram at Nick Gepper. That's probably the best medium to follow me. Pay attention to X Games and do tour and the US USSA US Ski Team, and it'll be really exciting these next six months getting up for the getting ready for the next uh, olympics and thank you for for supporting and following thank you very much logan for the opportunity it's been really fun and it's been especially fun to talk to somebody from from back home that's been really awesome
0: yeah buddy i'm gonna hit you up next time we're both home well thank you so much for coming thanks for being my friend and i cannot wait to hang out with you in real life thanks so much all right Thanks for listening to the Fast Friends Podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for an all-new episode. Go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss it. You can follow me on Twitter at Logan Cummins. And if you have a suggestion on someone that I should be friends with, go ahead and let me know at fastfriendspodcast.com.